the podcast with your host, Mike May. Welcome in, everybody. It is March 1st, 2024. The Carolina Hurricanes are 60 games into the season, sitting at 36, 18, and 6, which is good enough for 78 points, second in the Metropolitan Division, and fourth in the East. There's a lot going on between now and next Friday, so we're going to quickly review the previous games and just talk about it from a weekly standpoint as opposed to a game-to-game basis. And then we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of the episode, which is discussing what we should expect between now and next week's trade deadline, what's already started to happen, what pieces are at play, so that we can get a better idea of what makes sense. So quickly, previous games last week, we had four games starting with a back-to-back versus Dallas at home, lose 2-1. to That's a team that looks like one of the best teams in the NHL, in my opinion, right now. They're built for the playoffs. That's one of the teams that you have to think about. If we get to the Stanley Cup final, how are we going to find a way to beat them? It's a team that also went out and made an addition in Tanev, which allows that team to take the next step. So I, th- I think of them as serious contenders. It's a good litmus test for Stanley Cup contention. And right now, Dallas is the better team. I don't think there's any doubt in that. Following that loss, Canes travel to Buffalo the next day, lose 3-2 to two in a shootout. Canes aren't great in shootouts. We're not going to deny that. Good news. We don't have to worry about shootouts in the playoffs. But back-to-back losses, I know we get a point out of Buffalo, but it it doesn't feel good. Haven't played great. What's next, right? They move on. They play Minnesota at Minnesota. They're able to get that win, so a 3-2 to two win there, and then they go to Columbus, 4-2 to two win there. They're able to close out the week decently but at the end of the day the play isn't to the caliber that you want to see it at this point of the season there's no doubt about that we should see Freddie coming back in the next week or so at least that's what reports are indicating so your team's going to be essentially at full strength very soon and and what's what's there to do the Canes got to figure out what their ambition is for this season are they content with let's get to the playoffs and see what happens or do they want to be serious contenders let's look at what happened outside of games last week we have a trade that the hurricanes are involved in small trade under the radar for some people three-team trade where essentially the hurricanes are acting as a partner in retention They do trade the rights to Kirill Slepitz to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Kirill Slepitz is a KHL player that will likely never see an NHL game. So it's essentially nobody. The Canes retain 25% of Ilya Labushkin's contract, which is equal to 687,500, I believe, is the number. So not a large retention on the Canes part, but they do pick up a 2024 sixth round pick from the Toronto Maple Leafs. Essentially, the Canes are just paying for a pick. The good news is that even after retaining that, 
because you might say, why are the Canes retaining contract? If they're a team that is looking to compete in the playoffs, isn't that going to limit their cap space? Well, the good news is as of today, the Canes sit at just a little under $6 million in deadline cap space. That's one of the things that you have to learn to differentiate, right? There is cap space at the beginning of the season, but you can bank cap space throughout the season and have deadline cap space available, which is what the Canes have been doing all season, which is why they're currently sitting at a tad under $6 million in deadline cap space. So not a big deal. They're paying for a pick. The Canes value those late picks where they can take a shot in the dark. You never know when it's going to turn into a player. You never know when you can include it in a package for a player you like. That might be the the extra piece that, you know, pushes it through. You wouldn't think a 2024 six-round pick would. But if you're looking to add a depth player that doesn't have a ton of value, but you're looking, you know, to bolster that bottom of the lineup, then maybe that six-round pick matters. But at the end of the day, not a lot going on there, essentially paying for a pick. It's good news. The Canes have done this in a past. That's how they got Seth Jarvis. You like to see an organization that's comfortable with spending to the cap to acquire assets. And at the end of the day, a six-round pick is an asset. To the more fun rumor that emerged this past week, the Canes were all over the internet with regard to a potential move for Elias Pettersson out of Vancouver. We know that Pedersen's camp and Vancouver are at a bit of a standstill when it comes to negotiation. And essentially what's happened here, in my opinion, is that Vancouver shopped Pedersen as a way to essentially bring him back to the negotiating table. They hadn't really made any ground. There wasn't a lot of negotiating going on. The Canes supposedly got to the point where an offer was serious enough for Vancouver to consider it. And since that occurred, Elias Pedersen is now back at the table negotiating a deal with Vancouver. The part we all know is this organization has been very clear that if star players are available, they're going to go out and try to acquire them. This is just case in point. You see a guy like Elias Patterson, who would immediately be the best player on your hockey team available, you go out and try to get him. And when the starting price online is mentioned as KK and Natchez as part of that package, you you immediately are intrigued. That's That's something that you wouldn't hesitate to give up. Now, I'm sure that that package is a Natchez, a KK, one of our better prospects, our 2024 first, maybe another prospect. Like at a, like we're talking serious capital to go out and get a guy like Pedersen, but you do that without batting an eye. Now, Pedersen's back negotiating. Does that mean Pedersen heard Carolina's interested, we're thinking about it, and he said, there's no way I'm playing there? There's That could very likely be a chance. Was he always intending to try to re-sign with Vancouver, but he was trying to, you know, 
strong arm the organization a little bit maybe and then when they when he saw they were serious about moving him if they couldn't reach an agreement that might have brought him back to the table we're not sure what brought him back to the table i would think the likelihood of this ever being a deal for the hurricanes is close to zero i'm not completely closing the door this is a scenario where if we don't see headway between now and friday on Pedersen signing a contract extension, I think there's no doubt that Don Weldell calls back to see what's going on there. It's not it's it's a guy you're willing to go out and pay to get. If it doesn't appear that they're going to get something done, I don't think there's any doubt that the Canes would call back. With that being said, it's under a 10% chance, probably under a 5% chance that a deal like that happens. The rumors are more stressful than anything else, right? Those that, that kind of stuff excites you. You want that deal to happen. That's a deal that makes the Hurricanes bona fide Stanley Cup contenders for not just now, but for the near future and beyond. You're talking about Sebastian Ajo and Elias Pedersen as your, as your 1A and your 1B. Like That's elite as a two-center tandem. The good news I choose to see out of this is that they're in on all these guys. We know we lost out on a Matthew Kachuk, et cetera, et cetera. We lost out on the Jack Eichel sweepstakes. One of these days, I think there's a good chance that us Hurricanes fans wake up to a message where the Canes have acquired a superstar. If you keep going to the table eventually you're going to get a deal done in my opinion who knows when it'll be hopefully it's sooner than later if they want to seriously play as a contender but it could happen moving on we're going to talk about some comments that Don Waddell made in an interview with the News and Observer's Chip Alexander talking about what they might do at the deadline. We've heard the, we like our team, which it sounds like Rod's comments have turned into, we love our team. We've heard all of that. I thought some pieces that I appreciated. The Canes are now getting to a position where they're going to have four healthy goalies. They could open up more cap space. They could acquire more assets by moving a goalie. But according to Don Waddell, we're not giving anybody away regarding goaltending they're not giving anybody away which it's what you expect they're not going to move a goalie just to get a goalie off the books if they can move somebody get an asset back I think they're open to the idea it will clear some cap space it'll also give them another asset to potentially deal down the road the second piece which if you follow the Canes long enough and if you've been listening to this podcast long enough shouldn't be surprising but he said, we're not the type of team that's going to give up a first-round pick for rental. We know that. We've seen that historically. And, you know, I, I'm not sure that I have a problem with it. I'm, in fact, I don't have a problem with it. I agree with the philosophy. I believe giving up serious assets for short-term being one playoff run, essentially anywhere from you know, 27 to 30-something games. 
usually those moves don't move the needle and don't result in championships. They can occasionally be the difference makers, but a lot of times you're spending a pretty serious asset and getting nothing in return. A lot of times. There's no doubt about that. So when we look at the Hurricanes, when you look at how can we make serious additions to this lineup, you have to eliminate any rental player that has a value similar to a first-round pick, specifically a first-round pick. You have to take off a guy like Henrique. The, the two-center market has already proven with Lindholm and Monahan to be quite expensive. I think you're starting at a first-round pick plus. Canes aren't doing that, so that that's off the table. We talked about the Canes adding goaltending quite a bit. Don't think that's happening. In fact, I would say I'm fairly positive that's not happening. If Freddie's healthy, Kachetkov's been playing well. You've got Spencer Martin playing well. I mean, at the end of the day, that's three goalies. You can move Ronta out. I love Ronta. I think he's probably the one that gets the boot just due to the cap hit. So you're not going after a Markstrom, a UC Saros, anybody along those lines, because frankly, you don't need it. It's what we've begun to speculate over the last couple of weeks as the return of Freddie has become more realistic and more imminent. And I agree with the move. You've got goaltenders that have played well in the playoffs. You're better off adding through the lineup, in my opinion. We've seen Lindholm get moved, as we already mentioned. Tanev gets moved. These are all guys that we looked at earlier. The, the pieces of the puzzle are starting to fall in place. So who, who do the Canes target? Well, it's tough because, number one, you got to figure out who's going to be selling. We have a pretty good picture of the bottom. But when you look at the East, there's teams like Pittsburgh, Washington, the New York Islanders, where you don't know if they're going to sell or not. You've got an old Pittsburgh team that wants another run at it. You've got an old Washington team that probably wants another run at it. The Islanders have always been that brink team for a while where they're, you know, scratching and clawing a lot of years, it seems like. Do any of them decide, hey, this doesn't make sense for us. We should sell. I don't. I don't necessarily see it happening. In fact, some of them might add to try to double down on their roster. So we're not going to look at players from any of those spots. Instead, we're going to look at some big moves. We're going to eliminate rentals, nobody that's on a UFA contract. And we're going to think about what could the Canes go and surprise us with. Now, granted, we're going to talk big first. The big names, they have to be available. And the price is going to be very high. But the number one guy I'm going to start with, and now these aren't in any specific order. We're just going to kind of bang through them one by one. I think you go look at a Pavel Buchnevich out in St. Louis. Signed through 24-25, $5.8 million immediately brings you some goal-scoring touch. 
would would help the lineup all around. I think there's no doubt his name has been thrown around for quite some time. It makes sense as a target. It's not long-term. We're talking about just through next season. But it's not strictly a rental. You're getting a guy for a year and change. Now, we talk the two-center position. This is a guy we've talked about previous episodes. If you can convince Minnesota at all to move Erickson Eck, which I don't think is likely, but you still pick up the phone and make that call. He signed through 28-29 at five and a quarter. That is, that screams Kane's contract. I think Erickson Eck would fit well into the system. I think that makes you very formidable down the middle. I think it is a very difficult trade to pull off because of how good that contract is and for the length of it. But it's a call you have to make. If we're talking about upgrading from a scoring standpoint, the Canes should be calling Arizona about Clayton Keller. That team is in a weird spot. Like You, you always wonder when that next step is going to hit. They haven't hit it. They haven't hit it. They haven't hit it. You've got a guy like Clayton Keller who's got tons of offensive talent. He's signed through 27-28, so four seasons after this one, at $7.15 million, and is a guy that you can plug into your top line. Having a top line guy at $7.15 million, he's going to provide you offense. He's going to help your power play. That's a guy you should be targeting. These are the pieces the Canes need right now. They need more offensive production. They need a stud. If they really want to hit the ball out of the park, there was rumors around that Ottawa could be entertaining the idea of moving Brady Kachuk. That would shock me if Ottawa was seriously considering that. That's a guy that you cannot, you can't wait a second if you're the Hurricanes. That's you missed out on Matthew Kachuk. If Brady Kachuk is available, he signed through 27-28 as well. So you've got this season plus the following four. He's at a little north of 8.2 million through that time frame. You could play him as a 2C. He's a decent face-off guy. You could throw him up on the wing if you needed to. He's going to get you goals. He's going to bring a physical element. He's gritty. He matches the Rod Brendamore philosophy perfectly in my mind. He's a game changer. He's going to be probably the most expensive player we discuss on this list. But it's the type of player that the Canes, in my opinion, need to add. It's a guy that would, you know, for the net, for this season and the following four, you're immediately should be in Stanley Cup contention range. He's had some experience as a leader as well. So he'll get to step into an organization that has a strong leadership culture, a strong personality head coach. He's going to fit in and be able to develop in that system. I think his ceiling is super high, and it's just a player I'm really high on, and I think – if you can have a Kachuk, I think every team in the NHL would take him. 
may be a bit of a pipe dream, but it's a phone call you have to make, in my opinion. Another bigger move, if you're looking to add scoring, out of Ottawa is Drake Batherson, in my opinion. Signed at a little under $5 million, $4.975 million through 26-27. So this season and the following three, he's a guy with natural scoring touch. Not as good of a fit as Brady would be, but a guy, that, at the end of the day, the Canes need more scoring touch, and Drake Batherson will certainly bring that. It's, a, it's another guy to kick the tires on. Those are the five names that I would be testing the water on if I was Don Waddell. If you can bring in one of those guys, you can only realistically bring in one. There's no way you're bringing in multiple names. It's too much assets to give up. But if you can bring in one of them, it's it's one of the best moves the Canes would ever make. Without me seeing the trade details, it is one of the best moves the Canes could make. We're going to get into the middle section where I think the Canes could make some really good depth moves. I don't think these guys are as big of game changers or lineup changers as the previous guys. But there's another five guys I think the Canes could target. We've heard the discourse out of Columbus that Boone Jenner is Mr. Blue Jacket. It's going to be really hard to pry him out of Columbus. He likes it there. The organization likes him being there. But he's signed for less than $4 million. $3.75 million through 25-26, so this season and the next two. It's a guy that will step into your lineup, can be a solid 2C. He's not going to provide as much offense as you might like, but he's going to make your team better. There's no doubt about that, and he's going to do it on a deal that's cap-friendly, which we know the Hurricanes love. So I'm sure that's a call that the Hurricanes have already made. Moving on to a winger who's having the best offensive season of his career out in Anaheim, Frank Vachano. We've talked about him multiple times now. He signed at $3.65 million through 24-25. So you get him from this season and next. He's having a lights-out season. He provides scoring. I've always liked him and thought he would be a good fit. He's not afraid to get to the tough areas on the ice. He plays chippy. I think he would fit in well to the system, and the scoring touch has really been on this year. And for you know, a team that has aspirations of compete, competing in a cup, I think he could be a realistic add for this season and next season. The price has probably gone up as a result of how good he's been this year, but that might be a deal you wait out closer to the end of the trade deadline, see if nothing's happened. And then you go for it. That seems like something that Don could do. And he would be a value add to the Hurricanes right away. These guys we're talking about, I see them as middle six guys. They're either playing on the second line or the third line. Boosting the current lineup without completely breaking the bank while the Canes have some contract control. Another one is Casey Middlestad out of Buffalo. I don't see him being a center for the Hurricanes, but he's got the playmaking skill to certainly come into the lineup and have an impact. He's a restricted free agent after the season. He signed at $2.5 million 
for the year. So he's affordable. He'll definitely provide you more scoring. I don't really see him playing as a center in the hurricane system. Not good enough in the faceoff circle. But at the end of the day, if you're looking to add scoring and you want to throw him on a wing and you want to have a guy that can step into the faceoff circle when our centers inevitably get kicked out, which it seems like happens all the time, then Casey Middlestat could be a good addition from Buffalo. The last two guys in this category are going to be guys out of Arizona. Both guys we've talked about before. Nick Schmaltz, 5.85 million through 25-26. Lawson Cruz, 4.3 million through 26-27. They obviously provide different elements. Nick Schmaltz is going to provide you a little bit more scoring. Another scenario where he's not an elite center, but he's a guy that you could plug into your lineup, provide scoring. He definitely could be on your second or third line and give the team a lift. And you've got him under control for a few years. If that contract is appetizing to the Hurricanes or if Arizona is willing and able to retain salary, which I'm not even sure if they are able to retain anymore at this point, that would be a guy the Canes could target. Lawson Krauss is a guy, big body, able to score, similar power forward. The Canes could use another power forward, honestly, in my opinion. Signed at 4.3 through 26-27. He could be on your second or third line and I think provide physicality, net front presence, and definitely has a scoring touch to him. Not elite in any capacity, but another solid middle six guy. And then last but not least, we'll move to the rental section. We're only going to talk about two guys here. If it's going to be a rental, it's got to be worth less than a first-round pick. There are tons and tons of names out there that could qualify as rentals. The Canes are obviously looking to add some depth down the lineup. I don't want to get into the nitty-gritty on those guys. There's too much, and they all basically provide a lot of the same. I want to look at two guys that I think are a little bit higher of a level of rental. One being Max Pacioretty. If Washington decides to sell and he's healthy, he's on a $2 million contract. He's familiar with the system. I'm not sure how he feels about returning to the Hurricanes. But at the end of the day, that's a guy that could jump in. It would be more of a seamless fit as somebody that understands the system from a baseline level. Although he didn't get to play a ton of games, he was around the organization enough that that could be a seamless fit. Somebody that you could immediately throw into your middle six as well that we already know what he provides. We were super excited about him when we acquired him in the first place. It didn't work out due to unfortunate injury, but that's a guy that can provide you jump. That's a rental I could see the Hurricanes going after. That price would likely be less than a first-round pick, in my opinion. Another guy, Anthony Duclair. We've seen him do it in the playoffs. Definitely has the ability to jump into a lineup and be a middle six difference maker. He's a UFA, $3 million contract. I could see that being a guy the Canes target. The price, again, should be fairly reasonable. Hasn't had electric season. He's had injury problems. That would strictly be a rental, and it would be a guy that I wouldn't see the Canes re-signing when it's all said and done. 
So those are some names to keep an eye on. There's a lot that's going to happen. We're going to see movement in the trade market between now and next Friday. We're going to see a couple games from the Hurricanes between now and then. They play Saturday, tomorrow, versus Winnipeg at home. And then they play Thursday at home against Montreal. Right after that, we've got the trade deadline on Friday the 8th at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Just in time for our Friday episode. So hopefully we're having a very entertaining, exciting conversation next week. Don't get too excited because you know how the Canes operate. But maybe, maybe, just maybe, the Canes will decide it's time to make a bigger move. If there's a guy out there that's available, one of the guys I mentioned, or even somebody that we've overlooked, maybe the Canes pull the trigger. We will find out. Tune in next Friday to see that the Canes likely did nothing. Take care.